So today we're going to talk about Simcha. So yeah, it seems maybe like it's a funny thing to talk about, right? Because it's an ace star of the Yaakov, we're in a little bit of a hard time. But I think Dafka, because we're in a bit of a hard time, we have to actually work on our Midas Simcha and not lose it. You know, we're going to see momentarily the Rambam writes that a person is not able to have Nevoah unless they're Besimcha. Yeah? Impossible. A prerequisite to prophecy, to Nevoah, is that you're Besimcha. And yet, we have whole Megillus, Megillus Eicha. Megillus Eicha was written prophetically. As some saying, how, you're watching Chorim Bisa Migdash, you're seeing what's being described. Okay, I just started, so it's okay if we hold off. It's okay? Yeah? Okay, I'll get back to you at least in, give me 20 minutes, yeah? So, you're not allowed, you're not able to be a prophet unless you're Basimcha, and yet we have a whole Megillus Eicha that was written prophetically describing the most terrific things in the world. Yonah Hanavi, we just read on Yom Kippur. Yonah Hanavi, Megillus Yonah is written prophetically, and Yonah writes about himself that he wishes he was not alive. <laughs> he wishes he wasn't alive, and he's having a prophecy. So we see that Simcha actually has nothing to do with, you know, jumping around, dancing, cracking up. That's not what Simcha is. That's not what's expected from us. That's not what's being asked from us. But it's for sure expected from us to be Besimcha. And so what I want to do now is I want to analyze this, see how is this expressed. I have it until 12.30 until the next year, boys. I have till 12.30, so watch out. They think I'm joking, but you know the truth. Yeah? <laughs> it's like this. The fact that we have to be with Simcha is already, it's a Pasuk. It's a Pasuk in Parshas Tavorim, Perch of Ches, Pasuk Lem Zayin. The Torah says, it goes through all the Klalos, and at the end of the Klalos it says, why did the Klalos happen? It says, A person experiences tragedy, experiences klala in his life, when he's not serving Hashem with simcha and with a good heart due to the abundance of that which is given to him. It's a pasuk. It's a pasuk in the And from this pasuk we see that it's demanded from us, expected from us, to be besimcha. You know, the, the Urchus Tzadikim, one of the Midas, one of the Sharam that he has that a person has to work on, is Atzvos, being the opposite of Simcha, right? Being Atzvos, being sad. That's something you have to do true before. Actually, not be Simcha. Actually, not be Simcha. So let's, let's, let's see. Let's work it out. So the Rambam here, in source number two, in Hilchas Yantif, says as follows. Lonitz Tavinu ala Hulilus Vasichus. We're not commanded to be outlandish and silly. What's simcha? Simcha is something which is connected to our Vedas Hashem. Simcha is connected to our Vedas Hashem. So I understand if you shuckle, if you look very serious. It's not Vedas Hashem. This guy's a serious guy. He flipped out, stark. The guy who's smiling and making jokes. So it's with the Vedas Hashem. The guy's a clown. What's that, right? No? Well, I talk straight. Not, not you have to get used to me. I don't... Uh, I say it how it is. Yeah? The guy's a clown. That's such a duel. What's Simcha have to do with? Avedis Hashem. How is that expressed? How do we know that there has to be this Simcha in Avedis Hashem? So it says the Rambam, Shnema, Tachas Hashem, Yavadat Hashem, Lakimcha. V'simcha, V'tayvlav, V'revkel. He quotes our Pasuk. Halamadata. So you can learn from that Pasuk. Sha'avidu B'simcha. You have to serve Hashem b'simcha. There's no, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. Avedis Hashem is through simcha. Now, guys, how many hours a day are we demanded to be Avedis Hashem? How many hours a day is it missed to be Avedis Hashem? 24 hours a day. How many days a week? Seven days a week. So that means that one of our Avedis, we have to struggle with, we have to fight for, is to be b'simcha. It's not much an ikra, fundamental. And you can't serve Hashem if you're just joking around, or if you're lightheaded, or if you're, if you're... You guys don't know about this, but people actually get inebriated on alcohol, shikhrus. You want to know for such things, but you can't serve Hashem like that. 
Once a year you can serve a Shem like that. It's a Kiddush, Purim. But besides that, Shikhrith, it has to do with being Jewish. So now, just to, just to show you, I'm going to give you a few sources, guys, just to bring out the, the, the severity, the importance of the Mitzvah of Simcha, and then I want to tap into, so then, what's that mean? What is Simcha? What's that look like? How is that expressed in our lives? So, there's here Rabbeinu B'chaya. The Rabbeinu B'chaya is an unbelievable source. The Rabbeinu B'chaya says as follows, that it's going on this Pasuk, of Tachas Hashem Le'evadz Hashem Le'kech V'Simcha V'Tev Le'evim Revkeu, and he says, Sometimes Hashem could be frustrated with us because we're serving Him not out of Simcha. Why? You could take both of them. Yeah. Why? Because a person is obligated in Simcha while he's involved in Mitzvahs. Comes along comes along the vein of Achai and says, anytime a person does a mitzvah, there's actually two parallel mitzvahs going on at the same time. There's one mitzvah that you're taking a lulav and esrog, and you're shaking it, and even you though you have no idea why you're picking up this lulav, and why you're picking up this esrog, and you feel a little silly shaking it in all these directions, but you're doing it. That's one thing. That's one mitzvah. There's a totally separate mitzvah, a mitzvah bitzvah yatzmo, which is, how happy are you that you're shaking this, this, shaking this lulav? The two totally different tracks when it comes to schar. So he says, Milva da schar the mitzvah. So besides the schar you get for shaking the lulav, you schar la simcha. You also get schar for the fact that you're besimcha in when you went ahead and shook the lulav. So there's two parallel tracks of Nevedus Hashem going on at the same time. There's this overarching concept they called you have to be happy. You have to be besimcha. How much, how besimcha are you? The more besimcha you are, the more schar you're going to get. That's one track. Then there's a whole different track. So what's the mitzvah that you're doing? <laughs> well, worry about the shofar, about the lulav, worry about how much you're shuckling, yeah? We'll take all that into account. But the whole different parallel track is how besimcha are you? It's a crazy idea. So the Chidah says something different. The Chidah says as follows. Yeah? The Chidah, who knows who the Chidah was? Yav Yosef, David, Azulai. You ever heard of them? Anyone here, Sephardi? No? You never heard of the Chidah? Ay, ay, ay. Okay. He's from Baghdad. He's from Baghdad, I think. I'm pretty sure he's from Baghdad. Where are you from? Syrian. All right. It's already an explanation. But, uh, fine. So, Yosef David Azulai was a big, big Makubo. And he writes here as follows. Simcha Rishi Tevos. Simcha is actually an acronym. And what's it mean? What's the, what's the acronym stand for? Simcha Mitzvah Chiyavu. To be the Simcha during a mitzvah is an obligation. What's, what's that mean? You have to be the Simcha in a mitzvah? The same way a person is obligated to perform a mitzvah, so to a person is obligated to do the mitzvah b'simcha. And it's not just a beautification of the mitzvah, the fact that you have a simcha. It's a, it's a complete obligation. Part and parcel, when the Torah says, so there, there's a mitzvah, you have to be b'simcha. So there it says, So even if we're not talking about Mitzvah Shofar, right? Yeshiva Sukkah, right? Davening. All of these things, every mitzvah that I'm doing, Talmud Torah, Chesed, to do that B'Simcha is Zechiv. You have to do that B'Simcha. So now we have two different tracks here. According to the Rebbeinah B'chaya, there's two different parallel tracks at the same time. There's one thing called the parameters of the mitzvah, and there's a whole different track that's parallel to it called How Happy Are You? In the world of the Chidah, the two things, how besimcha you are is part and parcel of the actual mitzvah. So when the Torah says to hear a shofar, the Torah is telling you hear a shofar besimcha. That's part of the parameter of the mitzvah. When the Torah says should you have to send away the mother bird in order to eat the eggs, you <laughs> have to be besimcha. You have to send it away, besimcha. <laughs> as part and parcel of every mitzvah. 
It's an overarching principle. That's a machlokis here between the Bina Bukhaya and the Chida. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Kodamis, yeah. So, guys, this question is going to be jumping the gun a little bit already, but let's, let's, let's talk about it. You have a mitzvah of Kurus HaMais. Now, Kurus HaMais is, I think, only a mitzvah derabanan. Maybe a mitzvah is a mitzvah derabanan. According to the Rambam, I think Kurus HaMais is only derabanan. Um, but even still, so how could I be besimcha doing such a thing? How could I be besimcha? So, I just want to tell you a halacha. And then we'll come back to this question as you get later on into this year. Let's say, there's a person who loses a relative. Yeah? And it's a relative that they have to sit shiva for. So there, Chazal obligated, they have to make a bracha baruch dayin ha'emes. Right? They have to make a bracha baruch dayin ha'emes. Over the loss. At the same time, when a person loses a relative, it could be that they'll inherit something. If they inherit something, so that means that they just made a lot of money. They just made a lot of money, so they have to make a bracha. Chazal made a bracha. Baruch HaTiv So this person has to make two brachas. Those two brachas seem contradictory. On one hand, he's making a bracha, Baruch because he just lost someone close to him, and he has to make a bracha. Baruch HaTiv Blessed he who is good and bestows goodness. How could he do that? How could he make both of those brachas? It's impossible. And the answer is that you have to realize that people are much more complex than we, than we give ourselves credit for. And things are not just, you know, binary, that either you're happy or you're sad. You're in a good place, you're in a bad place. People are very, very, there's different parts to us. And one part of us could be in one place and a different part of us could be in a different place. And we can live with multiple realities at the same time. It's not a contradiction. I think that's something that you can even know empirically if you, if you do a little bit of introspection. That you can have mixed feelings about the same exact situation. And that's what's being demanded from us. But what exactly that simcha is, we're going to get to soon. All right? The clarifications are the hands over here. Yeah. Is simcha a verb or are we commanded to feel a certain way? We're going to get there. It's an excellent question. Yeah, Nimach. Correct. That's different than just feeling internally. So it seems more contradictory when we're told that you have to act on it. I'm not sure what you're asking. Like, um, the couple of me. Yeah. supposed to be sad and more than There's no mitzvah to be sad. That's a Gemara, explicit Gemara, and Sukkot, that's a Chafaya Amadvez. That Tsar, over a mace, is called Tirda Dirishus. It's not a tira de mitzvah. Not that I know it. It could be a bit of mitzvah essay. What? It could, I don't think so. I don't know if it's a low essay. It could be not fulfilling an, an essay, but it's not, it's not a low essay. It's not a love. Yeah, not a... So let's, uh, let's find out what happiness is. Can we find out what happiness is first? But th- th- you always have to be happy. Not that you always have to be happy. There's no hard to not to be happy. You have to be happy. Yeah. Chas v'shalom. Chas v'shalom. Every single thought... Listen, I, I'm not sure what, if you mean to say that there's a machlikis amuroyim, whether mitzvah sikhas kavana. We pass in mitzvah sikhas kavana, shachanarach paskins like that, in simen samach aleph, in that in, when it comes to kriyashma, if you don't have kavana, you're not fulfilled the mitzvah. There is a machlikis in the whether that's because there is a advaz that has the reason is because suffix to raise and therefore it's only mikoach a suffix, so mitzvah tabana, maybe you don't need kavana. But the Shabbat doesn't go like that. The Shabbat goes that it's Bateris Vadei, the Mitzvah Srikas Kavana. Now, Mitzvah Srikas Kavana means that I have to know what I'm doing is a Mitzvah. I have to be doing it. I have to pick up the Lulav because it's a Mitzvah. If someone tells me to hold it because he has to go to the bathroom and I'm just holding it for him, but I don't know it's a Mitzvah, so I don't fulfill the Mitzvah. 
But if I know it's a mitzvah, that's enough. That suffices. So it could be I'm discharged of my obligation if I pick up the lulav even without any thought to it, just knowing that it's a mitzvah. But obviously, you know, the more I put my heart and my thought and my neshama into it, then it's not comparable to two things. Yeah, this is the last question, then we've got to move on. Okay, Tzadik? Yeah. Absolutely. We're going to talk about it, but absolutely, yeah. You're supposed to jump out of bed like a lion. Yeah. Excellent. You guys, these are all excellent questions. Let's first see what Simcha is. Let's see what Simcha is. I think this is going to help with the lack of clarity, but we're building up. We're building up slowly but truly. I don't want to make any assumptions here. We're one step at a time. We see, first of all, as a concept of being besimcha. We see that simcha has nothing to do with how much you're laughing. We see that simcha is obligatory in every single aspect of every mitzvah. That's what we've seen so far. Now, I'm not going to read inside, but let's just talk about different sources I have here. There's a lot that we could have said on each source here. I'm talk about it for a long time, but uh, I don't. I want you guys to be besimcha. So I don't want to. I don't want to make you have to suffer through that. But one at a time. Yeah. So there's a Bina Bechaya here. We know that Amir Tashem, the Meir of the Amino, there should be a base Amikdash. And there was Avodasa Korbanos. Right? Now, during the Avodah of the Korbanos, there used to be Levim. Anyone here, Levi? I'm also Levi. Yeah? So there's a place in the Mikdash called the Duchen. We used to stand up there. And some of us would have instruments and some of us would just sing. And we'd sing during the Avodah of the Korbanos. Why was there such a mitzvah of singing and having musical instruments in the Avodah of the Korbanos? Says the Rebbeinu Bechaya, because it's a mitzvah to be besimcha. And therefore, Dafka and the Mikdash, where there was Navida, that was done on behalf of Klai Yisrael, so the Torah obligated that there be a mitzvah which is a conduit and a, a, a basis to help people be besimcha. That's called music. Music, definitionally, is a stam, is good for you guys to put into practice now. Put on music, it's so, it can lift you up. They put you in such a better place. There was music. The Shiras Halavim says the Rabbeinu B'chaya that why la'ura has simcha al mitzvah sakarvan k'dayliyas ma'isa mitzvah b'simcha. It was a means of making the avodas hakabanas b'simcha. It's an unbelievable concept. The whole Shiras Halavim. Yeah. Sukha, we just had simcha space shulevas. Anyone of the few anyone I know went to simcha space shulevas. The geshmak, you're jumping, you're having a dancing with the whole klal yisrael. Right? It's an unbelievable experience. The Talmud Yushalmi here, I brought for you in source 6, says, there was a Simchas Beis Shoeva. Why is it called a Beis HaShoeva? Because they were Shoev Ruach HaKadosh. They draw out, the same way that there was a Sheeva Samayim, that they drew out water, right, in order to do the Nisa Chamayim on the Mizbeach, right, the water libations. So from the singing and the dancing and the Simcha that was at the Simchas Beis Shoeva, they could there draw out for themselves Simcha. And from that Simcha, they got Ruach HaKadosh. They got divine inspiration. They had a connection with Hashem, which brought them to a step under prophecy. It's a wild idea. That, that, that's what Simcha can bring you. To such a high state, to such an exalted state. Yeah? And that's what we spoke about before, the Rambam in Source 7. First they have to have intent. They have to sit happy, with a good heart, and misputed him, and contemplating Hashem. It's an unbelievable thing. And that's why, right, the David Melech said, Kuli Menagin, right, to get someone to play music for me, to put himself where he was able to bring himself to a prophetic state. This is all the Rambam, right, the Rambam, the rationalist, is saying that that was, that's something which is a necessary component of every prophecy. Yeah, and the Gemara brought for you in Sanhedrin, David Melech became a Tzarua, he had leprosy. He lost, his, he lost his prophecy. For six months he was a leper, he lost it for those six months. And that's what he did in Hashimi Lissosin Yishecha, the Sosin, the Simcha, the happiness. Yeah, the Source 9 is an unbelievable source, and then we're going to start breaking into what Simcha is. Source 9 is a Sefer Chalidim. Sefer Chalidim was written in the 1600s by a student of the Ramak, Mermesha uh, Kodavero. No, that can't be. It's maybe in the 1500s. But, uh, but, 
I take it back. I don't. I don't know who wrote the Charedim. I'm thinking of the the Rishis Chachma. The Rishis Chachma is written by uh, a student of the Ramak. I don't know who wrote the Sefer Charedim offhand. I don't remember. But the Sefer Charedim writes as follows. The Sefer Charedim writes. It's a Sefer Musar. He writes that we all know who the Rizal was, right? The Rizal, the Kabbalist. You know, he went into the heavens and with all these different stories, right? That he, he went. There was a. Uh, king who wanted to make a decree against the Jews and in the night when he went to sleep the Rizal pulled him out through a well into a different place like crazy stories, right? Stories we can't imagine. So the Rizal said about himself the, the Sefer Chedem says this that the whole reason he merited to any of his levels in Avedis Hashem is because the levels of Simcha he reached while he was doing performing mitzvahs. <laughs> That's what gave him his <laughs> That's what gave him his Madriga. It wasn't because he was born special. It wasn't because he was very bright. It wasn't because he was in a different neshama. It could be those are also true, but that wasn't what he credited it to. He credited it to one thing. The level of simcha he had and the time of performance of a mitzvah. That's what gave him his, his madrigas. It's an introduction of the Sefer Charedim. Right? So that's all just to give you an idea of what is this. What, what's, the, what's the severity of it? What are we talking about here? This is something which is so fundamental to, to, any, to starting Avodah Hashem. To start Avodah Hashem, this is, this is a fundamental principle. A person has to be Basimcha. Yeah? Now, I brought for you here Rambam in Source 12, and for me here we're going to start developing. So what's this idea then? What is Simcha? What are we talking about? Yeah? Now, I want to I want to I want to start here with a precursor question. Why are we only talking about Simcha Shal Mitzvah? All, all the sources we saw up until now are only talking about Simcha Shal Mitzvah. Why not just talk about Simcha straight? Forget about the Simcha. If it's Simcha, not a Simcha. Why are you talking about Simcha Shal Mitzvah? Yeah, on this key. Inherently, when you're happy, a person who's happy does mitzvahs. Okay, good. Good. Yeah. Theoretically, you should always be actively serving Hashem in some way, and so simcha mitzvah applies twenty-four hours a day. So, what's that saying? Uh, I mean, something big here. What's that saying as follows: that when a person does anything in his life, so you can do this in two different ways. I could do something for myself. And I could do something because this is what I think Hashem wants from me. That's true on every level. So, in the most basic sense, I'm going to davening in the morning. I could do this because I want to daven, because Hashem wants me to daven, He asked me to. Or, I could daven because I want to go out on the break today. And, as much as I like Rav Noriel, if I don't come to davening, I'm not going to have to spend time with him and not doing what I'm doing during the break. And therefore, I'm going to davening for myself. Now, Baruch Hashem is still going to davening. But, <laughs> who are you doing it for? And we could say the opposite, right? That I'm going to work. Now, why am I going to work? So sometimes I go to work because I want a paycheck. Now, why do I want a paycheck? I think a paycheck is not a bad thing. You know, I'm saying you have to provide for yourself. But I want a paycheck because I want the new 7 Series BMW and I want four vacations a year, cruises to Cyprus, you know, the deluxe, yeah, everything, you know, that I want as a side item to my steak, I want, you know, the, the chicken and the... <laughs> That, that, right? That's a person who's living for himself, for his own self-indulgence. Yeah? As opposed to a person who's... I want a paycheck. Why do I want a paycheck? Because if I have four kids that I want to send to Jewish school, it's going to cost me $150,000 a year. Plus, I want to live in a Jewish neighborhood. So, definitionally, the real estate prices are going to be double anywhere else that I want to live. And there's certain basic things. I was brought up in a certain way. And there's certain style of living which I find is, you know, conducive just to me being happy. And being happy is very, very important in a Vedas Hashem. And that's why I want to get a paycheck. That's a whole different, that's a whole different approach to why I'm going to work. 
Right? There's a, there's a word for this in English. It's hedonistic versus what? Hellenistic. No, what is the word? No, it's not Hellenistic. It's, uh, huh? Not idealistic. There's a word here. What's that? There's an, there's an opposite for hedon. There's a, an antonym for, uh, for hedonistic. It'll come to me. Huh? Ah, uh, it's the same word, I think. Huh? No, 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 no. Living for other people. You're living for something bigger than yourself. There's a word for it. I don't know. It'll come to me. It doesn't come to me after asking me Kurdish. It was a, fine. Huh? Not holistic, no. Okay, I'm it's not a big deal. Yeah, you get the idea. So, number one, Simcha Shal Mitzvah means that you're doing something with a tachlis. You're doing something for a purpose. That my life, I'm living with a purpose. There's a reason why I'm living. It's not just for my own indulgence, but there's something bigger than myself, which I'm living for. Avedis Hashem, Torah, Mitzvahs, Kal Yisrael, right? So now, says the Rambam, in Hilchas Lulav, Yudamanik, yeah, yeah, that's what I was looking for. Yeah, huh? Yeah, Yudamanik form of life. That's the, that's the opposite of hedonistic, is Yudamanik. Yeah, very good. So now, says the Rambam as follows, is in Source 12, friends. It says, Simcha Shiyismach Adam Basiyasa Mitzvah Ba'avas Akel Shitziva Behen. The simcha that a person is obligated in mitzvahs and in his love of Hashem, avida gedolehi. This is a tremendous avida, tremendous. The kulam Anyone who prevents himself from being b'simcha, That's something which is punishable. A person has to be b'simcha. This is something which is demanded from us. It's something fundamental. Says the Magid Mishnah. A person shouldn't do mitzvahs because he's obligated. Meaning, obviously, we have to do mitzvahs even if we don't want to, because we're obligated. But that's not why you should be doing them. Right? Hashem told me, so was, you know what? I'm stuck. Darn it. I wish that I was, if I wasn't Jewish, it's been fine, but it's my mother's fault. I have to do it, so I'm stuck. Yeah? Rather, you have to do it. And he's happy to do it. He should do that which is good because it's good. And he should choose that which is true because it's true. And if that's why he's doing it, it's not going to seem like a burden anymore. And he's going to understand. That's why he was created in order to serve his creator. So number one is follows. Number one is that each one of us has a mission in life. Yeah? Let me give you a mashal. Imagine, yeah, I have, I have a girl who's in seventh grade. Right? She's seven years old. Imagine if the teacher says, you know what, I need a volunteer to go to the secretary's office and make a photocopy of the paper for all the girls in the class. There's 40 girls in the class. There's 40 girls in the class. How many hands are up in the air? At least, at least 40. Somewhere between 40 and 80, right? So how many, so there's one hand of both hands. Yeah, but for sure there's... A four. Now, who gets picked? Imagine, you're the girl that gets picked, yeah? She got picked, right? And she says, you, I want you to do it. So how does that girl feel? Like a million bucks. If I offered her now a whole bag of chocolates, yeah, and I'm going to go to the photocopy machine instead of you, she would take it? There's no way. She just won the lottery. She's going now to the photocopy machine, and she's the one. She's, the, she's on top of the world. She won. So, number one, we have to realize that each one of us has a tachlis that Hashem put us in this world, each one of us, and He said, you, you, there's something I want from you that only you can give it to me. And how do, that has to be true, definitionally. How do I know it has to be true? Because right now, Hashem made you. Hashem can make you in any way He wanted, right? He can make the world be in any state that He wants it to be in. He doesn't have a limited bank account 
He doesn't have a limited ability to change situations and circumstances. And he loves us tremendously. That's Pashat, right? The whole world was created just to bestow goodness upon us. So if that's true, and this is what I'm given, so it must be that this is the best thing in the world for me, whatever circumstance I'm in. And this is what I'm supposed to be going through. And this is the purpose of why I was created, to go through this process. So right now that means that in life, I'm that girl that just got picked to make the photocopy. Hashem made me, He made me. He made me. Exactly how I am, in the exact circumstances what I'm in right now, in order to serve Him under those circumstances and with those conditions and with all of my gifts and all of my things which I'm struggling with. That's how I was created and put into this world to serve Him. And He's asking us to do that. Each one of us. And that's something that nobody else in the world could do. How do I know? Because He made you. <laughs> it's definitional to being, to, to being alive. As He wants something from you. If he wanted something from, it didn't make a difference, he wouldn't need you to be here. He needs you. So that means that every single person is being asked to do something for Hashem. And it's something that only he could do. And that's something which was the whole purpose of why you're created. That's wild. That's a wild concept to think about, right? So now... If, you know, I have something in mind for you to do, I want you to make a photocopy, I want you to pass out papers to guys who walk in the base, so then, it's not so exciting. But, there's a melech melchem lochim, the Ein Sif created an entire world just for you, and he put you here on a mission that only you could accomplish. How close... To how close must you be to him? <laughs> how close? Uh, definitionally, how close are you to him? You're his confidant. You're his confidant. There's a secret mission between you and him that only you're there for. So already I'm jumping out of bed. I'm jumping. I'm jumping out of bed. I didn't sleep. I did sleep. My kids woke up in the night. They didn't wake up in the night. I went to bed late and this and that and Kung Fu Panda and all of it. Yeah? All of it. But how am I not jumping out of bed? The Rebbein knocked on the door and he said, I, I, want, I need you. I need you. I need you. I need to hear your Tefillas this morning. I need to hear your Torah this morning. I need to see your Chesed this morning. Now, there's a Kolbo. The Kolbo is one of the later Ashkenazi Rishonim. And the Kolbo writes as follows. He's here explaining, he's commentating, comment, commentating, it's a word, commentating? Commenting. Commenting is probably an easier word, right? He's commenting on the brachos, the Sheva brachos that we make by Chasna Kala. One of them, he says, Asher Baruch Sasan V'Simcha. That he created Sasan V'Simcha. Ritzel says, why is there Sassan and Simcha in the world? It says the Kolbo, Rutzelim and Lechvedei. It's for his honor. For Hashem's honor. Shekobod Hashem besimcha sanefesh. It's an honor for Hashem when a person is besimcha. Because a person is besimcha, that's when he's preparing himself, he's making himself open to receive from his splendor. What in the world does that mean? What does that mean? So now guys... So that's, that's, we have to talk in a muscle because we live our whole existence as one big muscle, right? So let's talk in a muscle and let's help break it into the conceptual. We're in a relationship, right? Hashem created us. We have a mission. We're doing the MS, Mitzach with MS. We're doing the Tov because this is what Tov is. We're trying to tap into the truest form of reality. And now, what's that mean? Imagine you have a spouse. Imagine you have a parent, whatever it is. And they ask from you 
to do something. Right? Ask a favor from you. Now, there's two ways you can do that favor if you want to be, uh, you know, a little black and white. One way is you can do it begrudgingly. You can do it begrudgingly. Now, at the end of the day, you do what they asked, right? Is that going to help the relationship? Or is the other involved party going to realize that you're doing it, but it's begrudgingly? Guys, you know, this is, this is not, this one's not loved this. This is just, uh, it's a life experience. You do something begrudgingly, the person appreciates it, or they're, they, they're like a little like, what's, the, what's all the drama for? You know, just, just talk, just talk, no hands, just talk, talk, talk. A little bit of both. Asked him to do a chore, he just wanted 20. Yeah, I was going to say, apparently, really So I'm a parent. I'm a parent. Besides being a, 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 besides being a rabbi in yeshiva, I'm also a parent. I have a side job. Yeah? Yeah. So now, but I have a side job. My side job is I'm also a double as a parent. There are times where if my kid, I know my kid's in a, like whatever, is going to give me attitude. My kids are great. They don't have any attitude. They never do. But theoretically, if my kids were to give me attitude, when I ask them to do something, many times I just don't even ask them. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. So sometimes where it's so important that I need this thing done and I can't do it and I need help, so then I'll ask them even if I know that it's going to be done begrudgingly. But there are a lot of times, I'm sure your parents are the same way, I have no doubt. You wouldn't know this because they didn't ask you. But... It's kind of just about like, you know, It's true. There's also truth to that. There's also truth to that. And that's the same thing when it comes to mitzvahs, right? Even if we're doing it begrudgingly, at the end of the day, we have to do it. Right? No one's saying that it's better not to do a mitzvah as opposed to doing a mitzvah begrudgingly. But obviously, a person who does the mitzvah, does, does what they, they're being asked to from the parent, from the spouse, begrudgingly, they're doing it with a smile. So it's not comparable to two different things, Right? the two totally different ways to relate to the same experience. At the end of the day, you're going to have the same end game. Whatever is being asked from you is going to be accomplished. But how did that affect the relationship? Was it, okay, tachlis at the end of the day got done, but it could even hinder the relationship to a certain degree? Because, like, how come every time you have to ask you something, it always is a this and it's always that? Why can't you just do it, right? Always a fight, right? You know that? You know that schmooze? You know that schmooze? Ay, ay, ay. What if you did it with a smile? Yes. For you, I would do anything. Tell me something else. I would love to. Yeah? Great. To take out the trash. What a mom that's such a schmooze to take out the trash. Unbelievable. It's raining. It's pouring. My old man's... But I'm going out. I'm going out. That's something totally different. I know your mother appreciates that. So... It's an honor for Hashem when a person is doing his mitzvah. Why? Because when I do something that means that I'm putting their needs before mine. Why am I, why am I doing it begrudgingly? I'm doing it begrudgingly because from, I bet them wanted something else is more important to me. Something is more important to me. Ah, you need this? So, fine, if I have to, I will. I'm willing to... I'm such a tzaddik, I'm a mom, I'm giving up everything just for you, right? Or, my, your needs are more important than mine. Yeah, I would love to do that. No, no, I'm not doing anything. That's what you need, that's what I want to do. So, it's a whole different way to relate to the person. You're saying that your needs are more important than my needs. So, Kfayt Hashem, the honor of Hashem is B'Simcha Sanefesh, when a person is doing what's being asked from him out of Simcha. And then, there's a person who's He's able to receive from Hashem's splendor. What's that mean? What's it mean to receive from Hashem's splendor? It sounds very esoteric, right? You build the relationship. You're building a relationship. So the closer you are to someone and the more invested you are and the more you put their needs in front of your needs the more they're going to feel close to you also. And the more they're going to want to give to you also. And it's, it's reciprocal. 
So now, yeah, if that's how you live your life and relate to Hashem, so then, for sure, that's how Hashem is going to relate to you also. And so, so we're starting to tap into this. So there's something called Simcha. And Simcha is how I'm relating to my given circumstance at hand, because this is what Hashem wants from me, and I want to do for Hashem. And now, and now, this is my priority in life. This is what I want to be doing. Everything else, forget about it. This is what I want to be doing. So then we can understand that, that the more I live my life like that, the more that leads to a closer relationship. Up until the extent that that could lead to prophecy. That's a prerequisite to prophecy, because that's prophecy. It's a, it's, a, it's a closer relationship. Right? The way the Torah expresses that is that Moshe Rabbeinu spoke to Hashem, Panim Panim. They spoke directly to each other. They had a very, very close relationship. And that's, that's the conduit of Simcha. That's the mitzvah of Simcha. Yeah, Natan. Um, I was wondering, can you also say that even if you do begrudgingly, like, same thing with the prayer, you need to say it's a muscle that you could work on, you have to do it with um, Simcha. If that's the case, can you still get, my question is, can you still get this far from a mitzvah? It is difficult for you to have that frame of mind when you're doing it. Absolutely, absolutely. Guys, my dear friends, you know, there's, when it comes to any mitzvah, right, every mitzvah in the world, which then there's a lot of them, thousands, yeah? Tens of thousands of mitzvahs a person can do, probably millions, yeah? So all of those mitzvahs that a person can do, so can you do them, can you work on all of them at once? Can you develop all of them at once? No way. It's impossible. So what do you do? You take something which is a priority and you work on it and you develop it and it's something that you put effort into and over time that grows, for sure. 100%. You know, I told my guys at Mashal, I told you the guys at my Shia about the smoking Mashal. Yeah? Maybe not. Um, so I'll tell you, Marshall, yeah? Imagine if you have a, a husband and wife, yeah? A husband and wife, and the husband smokes. I told you this, Marshall, right? Oh, I told you guys this, Marshall. It's a good, good Marshall, though. Husband smokes. Now, his wife very much doesn't want him to smoke. So she says, you know what? For my birthday, I want you to do something for me. I want you to not smoke. So he says, that's it. He takes the pack of cigarettes, throws them in the trash. So how does she feel? Okay, maybe yeah, maybe not. Now, what if he said as follows? You know what, sweetie? Here's what I'm going to do for you. Right now, I smoke 20 cigarettes a day. For the next three weeks, I'm going to smoke 18 cigarettes a day. The three weeks after that, I'm going to smoke 16 cigarettes a day. And in the end of, you know, the next nine months, I'm weaning off entirely. So which one is the wife going to be excited about? Pashat, right? The second one is so much more something she's going to be excited about. Now, why is she excited about that? Let's stop cold turkey. Right? You have these guys, they come to yeshiva after two weeks. They're learning 18 hours a day. They're not sleeping. They only eat bread and drink water and dip it in salt. Right? And you have these guys at Pashat. Right? They became the grow overnight. And how long did they last for? Exactly two nights. And after that, they burn out, and then they're done. Or you could do something real. You could do something real and methodical and work on it and grow. You know? The same, the same, Orcha Sadiqim says there's a, there's a mitzvah, there's a, one of the meters a person can work on is a shari, is a shari called shara simcha. It's a meter to work on. It has to be developed, for sure. But right now, we're developing what, so what is that we're working on? What is this the simcha that's being demanded from us? Yeah? So right now, we're saying that simcha is a recognition that what we're doing at every moment is custom-tailored for us. Every situation in life that we're being presented with was construed and constructed by Hashem, who loves us unconditionally to a degree that we can't even fathom. And... He is without any limitations, and this is what he decides to give to us. So it must be, it's with an amuna, it's with a trust, that this is the best, best thing possible for me, 
And if that's true, so then I'm excited to do what Hashem wants from me. I'm excited to do what Hashem wants from me. That's Simcha. So let's go. Hashem, you're knocking on my door. This is what you're asking me to do right now. If that's what you're asking from me, I want to do it. I want to. I want to. And me wanting to is going to develop our relationship. And the closer we get, then the more divine I'm going to become. And that's, that's Avedis Hashem. Now, the Mesilis Yesharim here adds uh, a nuance. Adds a nuance. The nuance is as follows. I bolded a feel. Yeah? So now, let's say I work on this. I work on it. Now I, I flex my Simcha muscle. My Simcha muscle is huge. So well, now what am I supposed to do? So now, he says, The more a person merits to enter within the in- interior rooms, and he gets into the interchambers, and the interchamber of this one, right? And he keeps going deeper and deeper inside. The simcha is going to become bigger. And his heart's going to be joyous within himself. Ve'imer, and that's what David Melech meant when he said Yismach Yisrael Ba'esav, that Yisrael should be happy Besimcha Ba'esav with its Creator, with Hashem. Ben the children of Zion, Yagilu Ba'Malkam, they rejoice with the King. Now, what's that mean? What's the What's that mean? So, guys, there's something called Talmud Torah. There's a mitzvah called Talmud Torah. Then mitzvah is a mitzvah which is a constant mitzvah. Unless there's a mitzvah, which is the Yavshalah, someone else has to do, right? There's a mitzvah that someone, no one else can do besides yourself. Then you're obligated in Talmud Torah. Obviously, we're not machines. We're not the Vilna going overnight. And obviously, we need breaks. I'm not saying that. But there's a mitzvah, Talmud Torah, which is binding at all times. Now, where's that mitzvah of Talmud Torah taking us to? Huh? So, one step at a time. That's true. But, right, that, how do we know? Right? They're going to be happy, rejoice over your words like you found a, a giant treasure. But let's talk in our mashal. Let's say you want to develop a relationship with someone. So now, how do I develop that relationship? Let's say I want to I wanna get closer to somebody. So I just do nice things for them. I bring them their lunch. You know, I make sure that they're, you know, the spot in the base midrash is clean. Right? And whatever people generally like, that's what I'm going to do for them? Well, no. I'm going to get to know them better. I'll schmooze with them, I'll talk with them, I'll have discussions. And now that I get to understand the person who I'm talking to and developing a relationship with better, so now we're going to be so much, I have such better understanding of how to relate to them. And I know that really. Even though most people like their desk cleared off before Shabbos, he actually likes having a few different swarm on. Right? And those nuances, and he, you know, if he comes in with that kind of look on his face, he needs a coffee. And if he comes with that kind of look on his face, then I shouldn't talk to him until he talks to me. And, right? And the more you get to know somebody, and the more closer you get in understanding them and have a depth of understanding in them, then the more then you can relate to them on a personal level. So it says the Messiah Sasharim, the more that you learn Torah, the more that you have an understanding of the Rebbeinu Shalelam and how he interacts with the world, so the deeper your relationship is going to become. The, de- the more enhanced you're able to make that relationship. And now that I have that more enhanced relationship, so now we can become even closer. Now that we're closer, that's, that's the biggest simcha in the world. Because now, right, what, what does a person feel the best, right? Imagine... Imagine, imagine if you had two options, yeah? You had a guy who bought a shtender from a Mariah over here, yeah? Bought a shtender from Mariah. Or you had a guy that went and bought some wood, and he sanded it down, and he stained it, and he built himself a shtender. Who's going to enjoy the shtender more? Pasha, the guy who built it, right? Yeah, the way Chazal expresses the person would rather have one kav, one unit, one portion of something that he worked on more than nine units from someone else. A person enjoys his own handiwork. A person enjoys what he accomplished. Yeah, I, I'm accomplishing. This is the purpose of my creation. This is what I was here to do. And now I'm getting close to the Rebbeinu Shalom every second that I'm doing it. 
Imagine how that person feels. The Rebbeinu Shalom knocked on your door, he tapped you on the shoulder, and he said, please, you know, can you, can you please do this for me? Can you do this for me? The Rebbeinu Shalom asked you, he came to you, can you please do this for me? And you did it, and you did it with Simcha. And not only did that, but the whole process, the whole time period where he keeps asking things from you, you're getting a deeper and bigger understanding of what he's really asking from you, and doing it more and better, and speaking more to the what he wants from you. How, how, what kind of relationship are you going to have? That's unbelievable. That's something which is like, if we, it could, it could become mind-boggling, right? And therefore, this simcha is building off of itself. Yeah? We'll talk about two more sources. There's lots to talk about. We'll talk about two more sources, and then we'll open up for questions, okay? Is that fair? Number one is that there's a kuzari. I know I'm not Rav Chaim, but he doesn't have a monopoly on the kuzari, yeah? So there's a kuzari here. The kuzari says that a lot of times when we think of like a Vedas Hashem, this is like a pet peeve of mine, but... uh, but uh, it's actually not good. My kids like make fun of people sometimes and so whatever. But because they just know it's bothersome. But like people think like the only time that you daven well is like you sit there shuckling and crying and like that's what it means to really daven. But if a person smile on the face and they're not daven, you know, you think like you have to be so heavy. A Hashem is so heavy. That's what a tzaddik is, right? If his tilim is covered in tears and the pages are all blurred, so then they're a tzaddik. But you're smiling. What's so funny? What's so, something's funny here, right? It says it says the Kuzari, Yehuda Levi. He says the in knioscha bimehatainus, the way a person, you know, I don't know how to say uh, say in English. The way a person lowers himself, his his sense of of seriousness and that right gravity, the way that he performs himself on a on a tainus, on a fast day. Isn't Yosef Kreve Elohim? It's not closer to Hashem. From the Simcha that you have on Shabbos and the Moadim. Right? When he says, continues in the next bold part, you should rejoice in the mitzvah itself out of your love for the person, for the being that committed you to, to, to perform it. And you should recognize. What he gave you, what he bestowed you upon, upon the mitzvah. What's a mitzvah? A mitzvah, guys, one mitzvah is eternity. An eternity. Eternity. The Mishnah Allah says that if a person does one mitzvah in Elam Hazer, if you were to take all the hanos of Elam Hazer, right, take all the pleasure you had in your whole life, and you're able to put that into one moment, and then you were to take all the people that existed in the world, and take all of their pleasure and put that into one moment. And then you were to take all the people that existed in different generations and do the same exact thing, mm-hmm. put all that into one moment. So the mission of Allah says that in that one moment isn't worth one moment of Elam Haba. Every mitzvah is building an Elam Haba. To recognize, to realize what we're getting, every the, the mitzvah, the relationship. What's Scharan Elam Haba? Scharan Elam Haba is the relationship we're going to have with the Rebbe Nishalelam. What we do here in the building of that relationship, that's our Elam Haba. That relationship is eternal. If we have a Chilak Ilakami Mal, we're a part of Hashem, whatever that means, that Rabbi Aaron will deal with throughout the course of the year, it's Hashem. Right? But whatever that means, so then that's something which is eternal. And it's like being called into Hashem's house and pulled up to his table. So how could you not jump out of bed? The only reason we don't jump out of bed, irrelevant of how many hours of sleep we got, is because we forget about this. That's why we don't jump out of bed. Because we're not living with this reality. If we live with this reality, so then we could be like the Vilna Gain, right? The Vilna Gain didn't want to, he, didn't, he didn't sleep for half an hour four times a day because... He wanted, to, he wanted to torture himself. He was excited to be alive. He was living. He was living life. He wanted, he wanted to be involved in life as much as he could. <laughs> so, so whatever he could do to make sure that he was physically able to, he would limit his physical needs as much as possible because he wanted to live life. He, wanted, he was excited about it. He was happy. He was enjoying it. 
It wasn't a burden. Now, there are times where everyone has a Yitzhahara. No one's putter from it. We all have a Yitzhahara. And that Yitzhahara is a very big trick. It's called, let's get you down. Because a person's besimcha, what's a person's besimcha mean? It means he's living in a certain purpose, a certain cognizance of reality, a mission in life, which is gratifying and exciting and enjoyable, developing a relationship. And he makes us forget about that. He thinks, no, life is awful and everything's awful and the whole world's falling apart and there's nothing good here and oh, I'm going to burst. Right? One second, one second, one second. So how do I, so, so the best thing in the world is if a person could just punch him in the face and say, no, I'm not listening to you, it's not true. I'm not buying, I'm not buying the Brooklyn Bridge from you. I know, that life is good. But what's, what happens if he got you? Sometimes he gets you. He gets everyone. No, one, uh, no one's exempt. So then, I brought from here from the Chumash Ebed HaMelech. Ebed HaMelech was written, it was a commentary in the Chumash that was written by a person named Shlomo Hamanar. Shlomo Hamanar was a big tzaddik. He lived in Yerushalayim. You know, all these people that, like, you saw him and he, like, radiated, you know, this, he was like a countenance. Like, he was a person that was like, you just saw him and he was a special person. A tzaddik, a tzaddik, a tzaddik. Yeah? So he writes that a person can do things, he bases himself on Messias Yesharim, that do external things of simcha. Let's say you're feeling grumpy. So you know what we should do? Smile. Just smile. You feel like you wanna, you're going crazy, you're going to burst, you can't function, right? Smile. Just smile. There's nothing to smile about, just smile. Smile, smile, smile. Right? And now, you know what you could do? Listen, I wouldn't recommend this. Under, uh, under normal circumstances. But put on some Mori Shapiro. You know? Get a, get a bump, bump, a bumping a niggin, yeah? Clap a little bit. Yeah, it's good. Yeah? Someone's wearing a Zusha sweatshirt. What? I'm not saying I'd recommend that either, but yeah? Listen to some Zusha. Get pumping. Get your juices flowing a little bit. Ah, you feel, you feel like a train wreck inside. It's okay. But externally, you act in a way that's simchadik, and says Rosh Hashanah and that's going to affect your internal also. And the more that you get that moving, that's a tool that a person has to get himself out of a rut. And now once you get out of the rut, so then obviously you have to work internally to channel that now. Okay, I'm out of the rut. So now, what am I doing? Ah, I'm here for a purpose. I'm, living, I'm here for a reason. The Hashanah wants something from me. Ah, that's why I'm here. Good. Let's go. Let's go. And that's, that's Simcha. So what do we start off? There's Yom Yom Novi sitting there by Chorim Misa Mikdash. Yom Novi wants to, says it's better, he'd rather not be alive anymore. But he's besimcha, having prophecy. Pain, my friends, is not a contradiction to Simcha. A person can be in pain. A person can be suffering with Klal Yisrael because of a tragedy. And he could be besimcha. Because... He's in a relationship with the Rebbeinu Shlelem that loves him. And the Rebbeinu Shlelem, who has unlimited abilities to change situations, is giving this, that this is what I want you to work on. And he's saying, this I know is the best thing for you. I know it's hard and I know it's painful, but this is the best thing for you. So if that's what the Rebbeinu Shlelem is telling me, so then I'm going to be the Simcha about it. That's what, I'm going to, that's what I want. Not that I want the Tzara, Chas Shalom. We don't want Tzaras. We don't want morning. We don't want anything bad to ever happen to anyone. But if it's, it's happening, so why do I have to not be Basimcha? Why should I not be Basimcha? Obviously, it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that I should, I should be partying. Partying has nothing to do with Simcha. Simcha is, is the reality that I'm living here for a purpose. I'm, I'm living here to develop my relationship with Hashem and trusting trusting that the Rebbeinu Shalom is holding my hand through all of it. Knowing that, believing that. And so, yeah, so, so a person can make a, a Teva Metiv and they can make a Daina Emes because it's very painful and they make a Daina Emes 
And I make a tiv by meitiv because Hashem just gave me a present. Why not? And the yid can be in Auschwitz, in front of the gas chambers, and he could dance. How could he dance? What are you dancing for? What can I do? I'm in Auschwitz. I know what Auschwitz is. I'm not a fool. But I, I have, I have ten more minutes in the So what should I do with those ten minutes? I can't dive, and I don't have any clothes on. I can't learn. So what should I do? So I'm rejoicing the fact that there's a Rebbe that I have a relationship with. A simcha. I'm not saying it's easy. But this, this, this is what I'm trying to show to you. This is a pasuk. This pasuk is brought time and time again in the Rambam, in the Gemara. And this is, this is so fundamental just to, to being alive, to enjoying life, to be a happy person. Like, what do we all want? We all want to be happy. This, this, is, this is the means. Yeah. What do you say? Is it even more scarred to give other people happiness? I don't know. I know there's a Gemara. The Gemara in Tainus says, I forget which Amora, I don't know what Tana, that says that he wanted to see who was going to be with him in Elam Abba. And they, they, I think it was Elam Abba. They brought Elam brought him to the Shuk. And there were two people in the Shuk that were jokesters. And he said, this is who I'm going to be with in Elam Abba. And I said, yeah, these, these two guys, <laughs> these two guys make everyone in the Shuk happy. So then he's like, ah, fine, I'll be with them. So can I, I can tell you, I can't tell you what's more important, what's less important, this and that. I can tell you it's very important. It's a very, to make someone else happy is, is such a chesed. Such a chesed you could do from someone else. Especially now, I'm saying, to make someone else happy, to give someone else simch in their life right now. Yeah, Itam. Um, a few questions on Kordam. So number one, if, if it's true that we can take simch on the fact that that Hashem wants what's best for us, even if we don't know what's best for us. Why do we need a positive bracha? Because dying Emmet shows that Hashem wants what's best for us. A positive bracha is only if you get an inheritance. It's always something different. It's not for the the burial. We make a bracha in Emmet if someone passes away. And also, why are you blessing on the inheritance, like a materialistic thing, instead of the fact that? Listen. At the end of the day, we live in Elamazeh. We can't forget that, right? In Elamazeh, we all have physical needs. And the fact that those physical needs are taken care of, so then we have to appreciate, show appreciation to the, to the Hashem that gave it to us. So if we just got something, you know, even if it's physical, so then we have to have appreciation for that also. Yeah. Listen, you know, the, everyone has struggles in life. And sometimes the struggles are so big that they need professional help. That's fine. It's not a contradiction to what we're saying. You know, they should get professional help and, you know, whatever they need to do in order to be able to function that, you know, Baruch Hashem, we have professionals that can help them and there's medication that can help people under certain circumstances and whatever it is that they need, so then beautiful. But here we're talking about, so what, what am I working on? So I would say even a person who needs that help, this is still the end game, right? And whatever help they need in order to get there, so for sure they should take advantage of. 100%. Why not try Because if you're outwardly happy, what, what Shlomo Hamanar is telling you is that it's going to change your insides also. That and let me I'll explain I'll explain it to you. Yeah, why why is a person and the end of the day not happy, right? Because if we're gonna speak frankly, maybe it's a horror. It's a horror is selling them the Brooklyn Bridge. There's a reason you shouldn't be happy. That's not true. The truth is, you should. There's every reason in the world to be happy right now. So why aren't you happy? Because you forgot about it. You're not connected with the truth. So right now, all I'm trying to do is connect with truth. So if I can connect to truth externally, right, even if it's not internal yet, connecting to truth on an external level makes connecting to truth on an internal level so much easier. So it's working from the outside in. 
instead of working from the inside out, it's working from the outside in. That's the, that's the goal. You're right, at the beginning, it's like, uh, you're not going to be happy inside. But I'll bring to it. That's what he's saying. Yeah. Not really a question, just more of a comment. I feel like when I try to smile through things, it's, it's almost the fact that I'm not feeling good in the beginning that makes me feel better after. Because when I smile and something's going wrong, when something's going wrong, my initial reaction is, oh my God, why are you smiling? And then subconsciously start to answer those questions. Why am I smiling? Because things must be. So the, an- so the answer is, why are you smiling? Because, because things must be better than they are. Because, yeah, right, right now Hashem's holding your hand and taking you to the exact thing that you need in life, for whatever reason that may be, and making you into the best person that you can be, in the most developed you know, relationship that you can have with Him. And yeah. How do you have uh, sympathy for other people with happiness and feeling for soldiers who are fighting and things like that? It's hard to feel. Again, because it's what you're asking is an excellent question, but I think let's 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 go back to our principles. Simcha has nothing to do with circumstance. Simcha has to do with the reality that I'm going through. So now someone else is going through a different reality. The fact that Hashem needs that from that person and he needs something different from me is not contradictory to the fact that that person's going through a lot of pain right now. It doesn't mean that I'm not going through a lot of pain right now. And so my obligation in being and being feeling for my friend is that I, 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 it's so hard for me to see that he has to be in such a painful circumstance. Now, does that mean that it's not the best thing for him? In a certain way, it has to be the best thing for him, even though we don't understand that. But, so now, if that's the case, so I feel horrible that he has to go through such pain. But that shouldn't take away my simcha because I'm still doing what's expected from me. I'm doing what's asked from me. And I'm still developing that relationship. I think so. Okay, Gishmak, I hope it was uh, helpful, guys. I'm happy to talk about this, you know, throughout later on if you want to follow up privately, this and that. But uh, if you have any questions, feel free to ask, okay? All right, so the next year I'll be at New